What's going on, Red Rock Church? Come on, let's lift up a shout of praise to the God who cannot be exaggerated. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. Are you happy to be alive? All right, prove it. Make some noise and say hi to everybody watching this online right now. Specifically over in Gambia in West Africa, show them some love. All of our locations, but also specifically our three God Behind Bars campuses. My goodness, do we love you. We love you. You guys sound good. It feels good in church. It's going to be a good day. I, uh, I'm wearing blue light glasses that I don't even need because this is such a nerdy sermon that it just calls for it. And so what you can do right now is give away two winks to anybody around you. And then you may take a seat. And I'm just so grateful to be here. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful for every opportunity I get to preach at Red Rocks Church and grateful for our lead pastor, Sean, my, my boss, my pastor, my friend, who I've watched him just hold everything God gives him with such open hands, including this platform. And it's actually not that common to do that. He has told me so many times that it's not about him or Red Rocks Church, it's about the kingdom of heaven and everything about your life, man. And you and Jill, your whole family just backs that up and makes me so proud to call Red Rocks Church my home. And I'm, I'm so grateful to get to preach the word of God. Slightly nervous every time, but not because I'm afraid of public speaking and not because I'm worried what you're gonna think of me or wondering if you're gonna laugh at my jokes or not, but because it's the word of God and it deserves perfection, and I just can't give it that. I can't, and, and, and Billy Graham in his prime couldn't do that. Chuck Norris on his best day can't do that. Yoda can't do that, right? Case closed, but for whatever reason, this perfect God entrusts his perfect word in the hands of very imperfect messengers, and, and that's just called grace. So let's read it, sound good? John chapter 20, 24 through 27 says this, but Thomas, everybody say, but Thomas. But, Th but Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. So this is right after Jesus predicted and then pulled off his death and resurrection, that 40 day period before he ascends and floats back up into the, the clouds when 500 eyewitnesses who watched him die hang out with him, including his disciples. But up to this point, Thomas, one of the 12, had not seen him yet. The other disciples told him, we saw Jesus, we saw the master. But Thomas said, well, well as for me, unless I see the nail holes in his hands and put my finger in those scars, stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time, Thomas was with them, and Jesus came through the locked doors and says, Peace be with you. Of course, why would you not do that? If you're Jesus, you just conquered death, and you just walked out of the tomb that you borrowed with the keys to hell swinging around your finger. Where's my boys? They're in that house. No need to, lock, to knock. I'll just walk through the wall. What's up, Thomas? You need to see this, you need to feel these scars. If I was Jesus, I would have so much more fun with this than Jesus did. 
but actually love the picture of grace that he has for his friend, Thomas. He focused his attention on one man. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand, stick it in my side, and then uh, don't miss the tone here. Do not be unbelieving. Believe. So today is for anybody who's ever had doubts, anybody who's ever asked the tough questions and the pastor's hand is up. I love this church. I'm proud to be a Red Rocker because I think we do a great job of proving pastors don't wear capes. And I'm just hoping to further that agenda today. So if you've ever asked the tough questions, today is for you. If you have friends who doubt or if you have friends who ask the tough questions, today is for you. I'm here to tell you God is not intimidated by your doubts or tough questions. He's a big boy, the biggest boy. And he can handle it. And Thomas gets a bad reputation a lot, I think, in the church. Don't be like doubting Thomas. Thomas, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And we quote Jesus without the tone of Jesus or the relational equity of Jesus, which is a very popular thing to do nowadays. You got questions? Well, take them outside the church. Come back when you have more faith, doubting Thomas. But I really believe that Jesus will walk through your locked doors of doubt and fear to let you see and feel his scars if you need to. I have to believe God knew there'd be times we need to see and feel something tangible. And I I think that's why there's evidence for God all around us. And that's in Romans chapter 1, 19 through 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen in the visible, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Creation points to a creator. If you ask me, the natural reveals the supernatural. And so do you doubt? Do you ask the questions? Do you need to to see and feel something tangible today? Well, I pray. I've been praying all week that church this weekend would build your faith, that Jesus would walk through your locked doors of doubt and fear to let you see and feel evidence. And so with that said, if you're a note taker, we're going to call this sermon, this message, there's evidence everywhere. There's evidence everywhere. So God, we believe, and I pray that you just, you'd help our unbelief. God, we believe, give us more faith today. Divinely persuade us, whether it's for the first time or the hundredth time, how real you are, how close you are, and how how good you are. We love you. Have your way with us and speak because we're listening. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. That's beautiful, Scott. Come back soon, man. I love you. All right, well, you you, you figured this out so far, but I'm just gonna confess it. I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd. That's why I'm wearing these glasses that I don't even need right now, and I just feel like Conrad wants me to name the first 20 elements on the periodic table from, from memory, just to earn these. And I'm not, I'm not prepared for this. I don't want to, but I can see you're not gonna let this go. So 
Hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium, boron, nitri- carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, fluorine, neon, sodium, magnesium, aluminum, silicon, phosphorus, sulfur, chlorine, argon, potassium, calcium. That's it. That's, it. That's all you need. It is, I cannot stress enough how little you need to know that in the real world. Do not take notes on that, but uh, that's just me showing you. I have a lot of like pent up uh, science major DNA inside of me that has been shut down for about 12 years and it just it needs to, to, to get out, okay? And so it's super important um, that you know that, that you know that I, I was a science major who dreamed of being an orthopedic surgeon until halfway through college when I met Jesus. And since then, God has done absolutely nothing but ruin every single one of my plans. In the best way ever, some of us are called to be doctors, not this guy. I'm called to be a pastor. Man plans his ways, but it's the Lord that directs his step. And that's not even part of the sermon. That's just for you, Casey, for free. From God to me and now to you. Don't mention it, man. I, uh, my love for science started in high school. Teachers are heroes, and in high school, I had one such teacher who was a hero and changed my life and got me uh, really passionate about science. His name is Mr. Ryan. Mr. Ryan, I haven't seen you in over 12 years, but if you're watching this, for some reason, this sermon is dedicated to you. Mr. Ryan might be the smartest man that I know, also very cool, very funny, just like a modern-day Bruce Wayne, minus the billions of dollars and the secret vigilante identity as far as as far as we know and one day in AP chem we had a free day now normal teachers on a normal free day show movies in class that would have been great I would have been fine with a movie that's not what Mr. Ryan did in AP chem and I, I don't know what it was maybe he was hopped up on a Red Bull or maybe he was super jazzed about his fresh box of chalk he just got in the mail But whatever it is, he just decided to go Jimmy Neutron on us for 45 minutes. And so he gets out a clean piece of chalk, turns to his his blank chalkboard, which represents infinite possibility. And for the next 45 minutes, unleashes levels of nerddom that Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates are not familiar with, okay? And it starts at like a basic level and then it just gets crazy and he looks at us and he goes, all right, guys, you know this, but inside every atom, there's a nucleus and in that nucleus, there's protons and neutrons and those protons and neutrons are made up of quarks and gluons and that can be explained using string theory, which he explained using string theory and then he said, and now, now, it gets crazier, guys, if the nucleus was the size of a tennis ball the electrons would be orbiting that nucleus like five at a radius of five miles which means and you guessed it there's nothing but space between the nucleus and the electrons which means all matter including the chair you're sitting in right now is 99.9999999% empty space and if we could somehow collapse all of that empty space you'd have a really dense piece of matter called a neutron star and it gets even cooler if you had a neutron star the size of a tennis ball. It would weigh more than the city of Denver and everybody on the planet would die from its heat. And if you need to, if you think you need to know any of this in the real world, you absolutely don't. He went on like talking at this speed for 45 minutes until he gets to the very end. The bell rings. He turns to us and does like a a chalk drop and somehow made it look cool. (laughs) 
And I'll never forget, he smiled. And as a public school science teacher, he looks at all of us and he says, how anybody could see all of that and not think there's a creator baffles me. And then he said, and that's all I have to say about that. Class dismissed. Yeah. And I walked out of the classroom thinking, is that Matt Damon from Goodwill Hunting? Homeboy's wicked smart, wicked smart. But I walked into class that day thinking science and logic and reason were in this epic battle with all of my beliefs about God. I walked out of the classroom that day with a much more enlightened, much less ignorant perspective to see firsthand that science is simply just human beings trying to figure out how God designed his creation, how God designed his creation. Here's a quote from Robert Jastrow, who's not a pastor, but a scientist who works for NASA. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak. And as he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. Romans 1.20 again. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So the study of things we can see points to a creator we cannot. Creation means there's a creator. So to quote Tim Keller, there is evidence everywhere, you guys, to the point where I believe it actually takes more faith not to believe in God than it does to believe in God. So apologetics, that's a big academic word. All it means is answering tough questions with grace and truth about God. It's creating reasonable arguments for the, exi for the existence of God. So let me show you what I mean. You've got questions, you've got doubts, I've got them too. Like Thomas, you wanna see something and feel something real. You wanna see evidence, we've got a few minutes. Let me show you some evidence right now by asking and answering two questions. So here's the first one of the day. Why is there something rather than nothing? I know that sounds super philosophical, but just think about it. Why is there something rather than nothing. Why are you here? Why am I here? Why is the universe here when it could not be here? Why is there something rather than nothing? Because everything that exists needs an explanation. You exist, okay? Ethan Johnson, you exist. And the explanation for that is your mom and dad feeling frisky 17 years and nine months ago? That's the explanation of your existence right now. You've got an iPhone in your pocket. That exists. And the reason, the explanation, is a team that designed it and a factory that made it. But what about the universe? That's my question. What caused that? Because scientifically, you cannot say that something 
came from nothing. You'd be better off believing in magic than to say that because at least with a magician pulling a rabbit out of a hat, at least in that scenario, you have a magician and you have a hat. But you cannot say that something came from nothing. Now, William Lane Craig is a B.A. of a Christian apologist, a beast of an academic, a B.A. Christian apologist. Sam Harris, a very well-known atheist, very smart, very witty, was quoted saying, William Lane Craig puts the fear of God into the atheists that he debates who don't even believe in God. And William Lane Craig took something called the Kalam Cosmological Argument. Don't worry about remembering that. I'm just citing my sources. He took the Kalam Cosmological Argument and basically just made it accessible. He modernized it into something called the Contingency Argument. Follow me. Here's the Contingency Argument. It's way more simple than it sounds. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe has a cause. And by definition, that cause cannot be part of the universe. It must be something outside of the universe, and it, not, it must be immaterial and non-physical. But here's the question. If you're sharp, you're asking this question. Okay, but how do we know the universe started once upon a time and therefore had something that started it? How do we know that the universe just hasn't always been there, and that's it? Because for a long time, that's been the claim. Scientists and atheists have made that the universe has just always been there and that's it. So how do we know that the universe started? Well, because in 2003, it was scientifically proven that the universe is expanding. The universe is expanding. And so if this balloon is the universe and it's expanding... Right now, during this sermon, at the speed of light, out in every single direction, so you, me, the Milky Way galaxy, every galaxy, every constellation in the universe is expanding in every direction at the speed of, the, at the speed of light. Now, that's true. So if that's true, then let's press pause on time. And let's go back in time and hit rewind back to when the universe was smaller and smaller, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, before Red Rocks Church, before Ethan Johnson existed 100 years ago, before America 1,000 years ago, smaller and smaller, depending on what you believe, a million years ago, before saber-toothed tigers and dinosaurs, back, 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 back to the warning track, excuse you, Casey, the universe, once upon a time, started. Now, scientists and atheists can no longer make the claim that the universe has just always been there because by definition, the universe began. And if that's true, and something can't come from nothing, and everything that exists must have a cause for its existence, then what's the cause? What caused the universe? What is the something that was around back when there was nothing? Back before the something, 
You can't say that it was energy because that energy would have to have a cause. And you can't say it's matter because that matter would have to have a cause. Whatever that thing is, that something or someone, it created time and space. And by definition, that something or someone that created that time and space would have to be outside of that time and space. Or you could say it this way, that something or someone would have to stay the same through the ages and never, ever change. William Craig says this, you have to say that it was God. And then he gets sassy. If you don't like that word, then you have to call it the extremely powerful, uncaused, necessarily existing, non-contingent, non-physical, immaterial, eternal being who created the entire universe and everything in it. Or you can just call it God. So why is there something rather than nothing? Because there is. Because there was a something else or a someone else who was around when there was nothing who created that something. And I just believe that moment was a fairly large bang that exploded out in every direction at the speed of light the moment God said, let there there be. Like Jesus saying to Thomas, see and feel. I agree with Pastor Tim Keller that because of reason, i.e. something you can see and feel, because of logic and reason, it takes more faith not to believe in God than it does to believe in God. So that's the contingency argument. The next one I'll share with you is is called the moral argument, and it asks and answers this question. Why is there such a thing as good and evil? If this intrigues you, you can go pick up Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Why is there such a thing as good and evil? Say it another way. Can you be good or can you be evil if God is not real? Now, an atheist can tip really well at a restaurant or get a, a frightened kitten out of a tree or help a little old lady across the street so you can do good things without believing in God, but that's not the question. Can you be good by nature? Can you be evil? Are those things even a thing if there's no God? And the pretty foolproof answer to that question is no. And it's because if God does not exist, then objective moral values also do not exist. There is no right and there is no wrong unless there is a God out there somewhere who has defined right and wrong. So let me give you an example. Everybody, you, me, Christians, atheists, everybody would agree that murder is evil. Everybody agrees murder is evil. Well, why? Is that just your opinion? You'd say, well, no, that's an obvious fact. Okay, where did that obvious fact come from? Well, it's just a moral. Okay, follow the breadcrumbs. Where did that moral come from? What is that moral attached to? 
There is some kind of invisible moral standard out there somewhere, you guys, that everybody on this planet knows about. And there was never a committee that got together and decided this is good and this is evil. So murder is evil. All in favor say, aye. okay, good. This, so murder is evil. Rape is evil. Abuse is evil. Stealing is evil. Okay, we've defined these things are evil. So now let's define the good things. Uh, giving uh, to the poor, helping Needy people, being kind, uh, patience, all of these are good. Okay, says who? Because that, that committee never happened. Well, says everybody somehow, but how do we know that? There, there is a moral code out there somewhere beyond the sun that for whatever reason, every single person knows about and they never had to be taught C.S. Lewis says, human beings all over the earth have this curious idea that they ought to behave in a certain way, and they can't really get rid of it. So where does that come from, this, this moral code? Just like the universe, where did that come from? Well, the answer is very, very similar. It had to come from something or someone outside of it. So once again, the natural points to the supernatural. Something or someone whose ways are higher than our ways and whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Without God, there is no such thing as good and there is no such thing as evil. Without God, you can murder, but without God, you can't define murdering as evil. Without God, you can give or be generous, but without God, you cannot categorize that as good. If God is not real, then everything is permissible, and you and me, we should be able to do whatever we want, and I mean whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it, and nobody should be able to say you can't do that because nobody has an objective moral standard or a spectrum to point at and say you can't do that because what you did fits on the standard spectrum right there. They, they don't have that to point to, so you should be able to do whatever you want whenever you want to do it, but what's the reality about our world. You can't do that. You can't do whatever you want to do just because you want to do it. And if you don't believe me, drive home from church today at 85 miles an hour naked with a beer in your hand. Get pulled over. You know where you're going. Jail. And everybody all over the world would agree. Yeah, you know what? You probably, you probably should. But why? Why? Because there is a moral code somewhere out there beyond the sun that something or someone who's also out there beyond the sun had to design and then somehow tell us about, somehow download into our minds and our souls. And I love how the Bible just knocks this out of the park, Romans 2.15. They, who's they? Humanity, human beings demonstrate that God's law this moral code is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts. Either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. So there's the moral argument. Once again, evidence everywhere that you can see points to a God you, you can't. There's evidence everywhere and if you're like me, you got a you got a hundred more questions, and you have a hundred more doubts. And I just uh, I want to say to you, you are so welcome at this church. And I just automatically like you. 
Um, I get you because I is you and you have a home at Red Rocks Church and keep looking for answers because there's really good answers out there to your really, really complicated questions. There's better answers out there than just have more faith, slugger. Stop doubting, Thomas. There's better answers out there. Just be warned, God might save you before he answers them. That's typically what he seems to do. He is a supernatural God, and Ben, you can come up. He is a supernatural God, and his ways and thoughts are higher than our ways and our thoughts. And I've just, I've struggled with doubt this year, if I can just have a moment of authenticity. I, I've taken the, the spiritual gifts assessment test like 10 times, and faith has always been the number one for me. So for 12 years, I've lived a life of a very strong faith. I've got about a thousand other weaknesses, but that's been like my one, my one thing. I just, I know in my knower that this is real. I've got faith to believe we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so it's been really weird to have a year where doubt has just lingered in a hard, hard year where you just watch a lot of horrible things happen in the world and you you see and you feel how life can be hard and sometimes even cruel. And you watch adult Christians just say horrible things to each other. And it started to like get to me. Um, I've had a few nights this year. My thing when I'm feeling that is, is to go for midnight walks. And I usually take my, my lab Luna and we walk around the block and I just have it out with God. And it usually starts calm. And then it usually ends up with me just like venting everything I can at the stars. And I've even had some nights where I've, I've yelled up at the stars like, God, you're not even there. You're not real. And then I'll have that moment where I'll realize I'm trying to like hurt God's feelings. So obviously somewhere deep down, I'm, I know he's real because I'm yelling at somebody who I know is there, even though I'm frustrated with him right now. And even though I've got all these complicated questions and the older I get, I have less good answers and my, my questions just get more and more complicated and I just, I've prayed this more this year than I have any other season of my entire life where I would just drop to my knees on the sidewalk at 1 a.m. right by my house and I'll just say, God, can you, can you convince me again that I'm not crazy? Can you divinely persuade me again that, that you're real and that you're there and that you are who I say you are and that this is your character and, and that you're with me and that you're good? Can you... Because I'm seeing all this stuff and it's just getting hard. Can you convince me that, I mean, you want to talk about a year where you sober up to your morality? Sober up to this idea of eternity when we're in a pandemic and you're like, I've, I've spent my whole life thinking I was invincible. And now I know life is short and pray, Jesus, can you convince me once again that I know that I know that I know in my knower that I will see you the moment I take my final breath on this planet. Like, I need to know. 
And I believe Jesus will walk through your locked doors of fear and doubt and insecurity to let you know that he's here and let you see and feel something real. And that's why there's evidence in the natural all over the seen world. That's why God leaves clues to himself in his creation that should stir our affection and get us to look up to those stars, but to know it doesn't just end with those balls of gas. Thank you, Pumbaa, burning billions of miles away. There is something or someone beyond even the farthest constellation, and he's not just out there. He also came here, and he's in here, and he will let you know. He'll let you know. And even in those moments where you do doubt, here's what I'm realizing. Don't waste those seasons because you will oftentimes find God just beyond the grid you try to chart him on because his ways are higher than yours. He doesn't use the same logic and reason that we use. His ways are beyond ours. And somewhere out there beyond your, your, your most complicated question, that is where wonder sets in and worship begins. So I want to challenge you to worship through your questions and praise him even in your doubts and give yourself permission just to come to him like a little kid on his lap who doesn't need to know all the answers. All of this doesn't have to make sense. I'm a math guy, but I don't have to have all the infinite math figured out because there's a God out there beyond that math who knows it all and the same God who's holding that universe is holding my heart and my brain and my soul in the palm of his hands even when I feel like Thomas thinking I don't know what I believe you know what Thomas did right he stayed close he was in that home that day when Jesus showed up stay close Give him a chance to walk through your locked doors of doubt and fear because I promise you that he will. We have a supernatural God, Red Rocks Church. His ways are higher than ours. And when life doesn't make sense and your questions don't have the answers that you want, remind yourself that he is the creator of creation. And if that's true, then he's also the master of his creation. And if that's true, then he can defy his creation and the laws of science anytime he wants to and part the Red Sea in half just because he wants to and stop the flow of the Jordan River just because he wants to and stop the rotation of the earth so the sun stands still in the sky just because he wants to and put on flesh and bone and come to this planet to heal sick people and multiply food and walk on water just because he wants to and be killed and put into the ground but walk out of the ground three days later just because he wants to. We worship a supernatural God and thank God we do. You can't worship a God that makes sense to you. All your questions, if they were all answered, then what kind of God is that? No, church, he is a mystery and you want him that way. Let yourself be enveloped in the mystery. Get caught up in how big he is. And that's not to minimize you. Let it maximize him. That is where worship and wonder begin. 
There is evidence everywhere, you guys. I see God when I'm standing in front of something as powerful as the Rocky Mountains in all of its imposing grandeur, or I'm sitting like on the sand looking at the ocean, something as horrifyingly majestic as the ocean, and I'm sitting there with a tinge of fear knowing that thing could kill me if it wanted to. I feel God in those moments. I see evidence of God in the joy and innocence of my son. I see evidence of God when people laugh and when people enjoy life. I see evidence of God when I do weddings and I'm standing up there at the altar marrying two people trying to describe with words this invisible powerful force called love that so powerfully brings two people together that you cannot explain with string theory or the elements on the periodic table. I feel and see evidence of God when my heart longs for something more and then I stop to I stop to question long enough why my heart feels that, why my infinite or why my finite soul senses that something infinite is out there. I see evidence of God when people who are in pain praise him anyways. I see evidence of God when people who are sick still sing and talk about his goodness. I see evidence of God in the fact that one poor Jewish carpenter 2,000 years ago with no Instagram account started a movement that 2,000 years later has become a blazing global wildfire that so many people have given their lives for. I see evidence of God in the very fact that people in every culture on every continent all over the world are gathering to worship a God that they can't even see. To me, I look at that and I go, well, that he must be real because people don't do that. That many people, billions of people don't show up and worship in and give their lives for dead good guys. They do that for the King of Kings alone. So Red Rocks Church, wherever you are, where you stand, because we're about to worship the God who is beyond even our most complicated questions. And our worship is gonna show him that we're okay with him being there. I wanna feel small for a little bit. I wanna feel not insignificant because you are more significant than you, you could ever know, but I just wanna feel just powerless in front of God, like I'm standing in front of the Rockies or I'm sitting in front of the ocean, knowing this thing is so powerful and letting its imposing grandeur just sort of wash over my life, knowing it loves me and cares about me and is holding the whole universe right now that is expanding in every direction and at the same time knows my name and every hair on my head and has purpose for my life. And 2020 does not keep that from being true. And so if you doubt and if you're afraid or feel insecurities, I've been praying that Jesus would walk through your locked doors of your fears and insecurities and your doubts and he would give you something tangible, these scars that you can see and feel so that your faith can be built. So if that's you, keep staying close and keep coming back and keep watching church online and keep showing up to your group and keep asking those questions. Just whatever you do, stay close and I'm gonna keep praying that God saves you way before he answers all of your questions because that's called faith and there ain't nothing like it, amen? So let's pray. God. God, we love you so much. Jesus, I thank you that you are so infinitely big and at the same time you put on flesh and bone and you came here to hang out with one man, with one hurting, doubting, fearful man who was just having a hard week, who locked you out of his life and you walked through and met him where he was at 
I pray for anybody under the sound of my voice who needs that right now, Jesus. We give you permission collectively at a church, as, as a church. Do that in our lives. Reveal to us the evidence that is everywhere. The natural, that reveals the supernatural. I pray that you would leave breadcrumb, breadcrumbs for people this week. I pray you would show clues of your existence and your proximity and nearness to people who need it this week. I pray for rest for souls that haven't had it in far too long, God, that they would feel like my son who knows that he can just hop up on my lap and not know the answers, but just simply be a kid. God, let us just be kids right now. The evidence is all around. Heaven is here. Miracles can happen. Increase our awareness of your spirit that's around us right now, God. You're everywhere. You're always here. It's us that sometimes way too often just aren't aware or we're too distracted. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we shut out all the distractions in our lives and we come before you just completely present. Whatever else is going on in our lives, it can wait 15 minutes. Right now and right here, we are here. So Holy Spirit, would you meet with us and God, would you build our faith and would we sing to you through our pain and worship you in our doubts. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Red Rocks Church, let's worship.